So, girl, you know how we are all about person-first language? Yes. So I've decided I'm no longer gay. I am now a person thriving in my homosexuality. Did you come up with that? I made that up on my own. I love it. <laughs> Can I still say you're gay, though? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Hi, Julia Mizzavalli. <laughs> Hi, Patrick Hines. Oh, fam. Listen, if you're hearing this when this comes out, it is the week of the opening night of our oh, live tour. We're going to Boston this Listen, week. Listen, this Friday, Julian and I are going to be at the Wilbur premiering our new show, Covering the Jinx. You do not want to miss that. Don't. I'm so excited. I'm so excited, too. Lastly, join the Patreon. Yes. We have over like 400 full ad-free bonus episodes for you to download and binge the second you sign up. Yeah, so we just did season two of Wild Crime. Yeah. We're in the middle of the Tetris murders. Oh, my God. We did Bad Vegan and The Jinx and Lorena, Heaven's Gate, The Gacy Thing on Peacock. Making a Murderer Serial Season 1, yeah. Tiger King, Don't yeah. F With Cat, all the stuff on Hulu, Netflix, right. Oxygen, HBO. McMillions, McMillions. Pepsi, Where's My Jet. Yeah. It's all there. You get ad-free versions of these episodes. It's patreon.com slash truecrimeobsessed yeah. or our website. Click on the Patreon link. Okay, we'll see you over there. Come see us in Boston. Okay. Okay, what are we talking about today? We are talking about, it's here, everyone, yeah. the Pez Outlaw. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the wonderful world of Pez Collecting. You're hooked now. No one knew where he came from. But everybody wanted what he was selling. Pez, it's like printing money. <laughs> Being that close to illegal, maybe illegal. This guy was bringing thousands and thousands of them over. Scott was furious that this was happening. And the job was to stop this. I was the threat. And that's when I decided to become the Pez Outlaw. Everyone needs to calm down. Okay, just a little bit. Right at the very top, we meet this guy. We're going to learn his name is Johan. Yeah. And he sucks. He's a real crank. He cannot figure out why they are not making this documentary about Lighten him. Lighten up. I mean, when we learn about Steve, the, our hero here, Steve and his story, Slow. oh my God, I love him so much. Johan, you pale. You pale in comparison he's to Steve. He's just, what are they, like a contrarian? He's just a big old grump because he's like, oh, that's awful. It's yeah. cold. It's like, didn't you make the tea, Johan? <laughs> Isn't it your house we're in? Johan, I don't understand. you suck. I don't know what else to say. Johan sucks. He's like coughing and gagging. Shut up. God. Man. So we start in Michigan and we meet Steve Glue, our hero here. Yeah. G-L-E-W. And this is very stylized because it's like, and starring Steve Glue as exactly. himself. So we do a lot of reenactments from 20, 30 years ago and he is playing himself. They dyed his beard brown. It's so cocaine island. If you guys, cocaine island. Cocaine island. If and McMillions, ever, I thought. And McMillions. But yeah. I remember like they had so many people doing their own re- reenactments yes. at Cocaine Island, yes. which I just loved so much. Yeah. Remember the one where the little kids were the sports guys? Wasn't yeah. there a sports thing and they just had little oh kids doing the reenactments? Because yes. they were like, they're all acting like children. Totally. Might as well. So we're with Steve on his farm. He says he's been waiting to tell the story for 20 years. But first we learn that when he moved onto this farm with his wife, Kathy, who's amazing. Amazing. When she's here too. When we moved out here, we became back to earthers. We had goats, we had chickens, we had pigs, we had a cow or two. It was a good deal on a house and a little barn and 20 acres for 
20,000. We were back to earthers when we moved here. Okay, everyone, not flat earthers. <laughs> Don't worry. I know it might say for a second you're going, what? Although, no, they're like, it's the back to the land movement. But they wanted, the like, they owned chickens and goats and a cow or two. I said, what the fuck is a back to the earther? Cow- it's should they go back to the land. But the, said, most importantly, they're not flat earthers. That they're not flat. And they bought this house for $20,000. It's a like a barn with a farm on 20 acres. Yeah, it's a very, like, self-sustainable lifestyle. Yeah. And so Kathy, Steve's wife, very sweet, very understanding of Steve. She's the Steve Tipton of this relationship. Right. Steve's like got big, ridiculous ideas. Kathy wants to say no, but because she loves her husband, she says yes she says and everything yes. works out. Okay. And then at the end, she's like, maybe I should say no more. I know. Kathy Which and Steve are great. It's how Steve ends every single day. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. How did I get here? That poor guy. So tired. <laughs> you think Steve ever stops and goes, how? What am I doing? How did Where? this I, I just wanted to go to math school. I was like a kid once. <laughs> Hopes and dreams and no responsibilities. And, uh, listen, that thought haunts me. Does he actually think that? No, that, just, that, that thought haunts me. I think he does, but in the good way. Yeah. I think he's like, remember when I was a kid and now so I get to lucky do now. this. Now I'm so lucky. Yeah. Here's the thing about Steve Glue. Yes. He is very, very open and honest about his mental health. And I love that about him. Same. And we see him like going through it. Yeah. So Steve, as he's tells us has yes. OCD and not in the way where people are like, oh, I'm OCD. I like to have my books a certain way. Like he actually <laughs> is diagnosed. No, 100%. Yeah, he was, he was always a good guy, but he had to look for it sometimes. It's part of his OCD that he doesn't like change. I wear three pair of socks and I keep a paper towel with me at all times. It just helps you cope. Then he goes, it just helps you cope. And I'm like, Steve, I love how, I love his fucking honesty. It's why I carry a full bottle of vodka with me at all times. Do you know what I mean? It just helps you cope, Steve. Look, sometimes you have like comfort shows. We have comfort stuffed animals still, booze. Like, I love that he's just like saying it. No, I love Steve. He's so honest. And he tells us like all, it just, his story reminds me of my story. He's like, all my life have been poor. They were so poor that when they lived in this like ratty old house before they moved to the the cool farm where they live now, it was so cold. And the the place was like falling down so much that snow would come in through like the roof. Yeah. They had to r- literally wrap the house in cellophane. The water would have freeze. Yeah. But they wrapped <sighs> the house in cellophane. Yeah. We see it. We yeah. see the house wrapped in cellophane. My I God. can't say it enough. Yeah. It's, I, I didn't know that was a thing. Me and either. That's, that's, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He grew up poor. And so he was also diagnosed with bipolar at the time. So he's really going through it. And he says this thing where he's like, you know, people always thought I was a joke, but I knew that there was so much more in me. Yeah. And I, I get that. Like, you know, the subtitle of my book is like how the poor chubby son of a lesbian who who wrote pornographic letters to Jesus. Son of a lesbian. <laughs> it's just like you start out and you think that you're nothing or you're told that you're nothing or you're made to feel right. that you're nothing because you're poor. Exactly. And and but you know inside you there's like a little light that says someday you're going to be sitting in a podcast booth across from a gorgeous woman Aww. with fire purple hair. That's really nice. And you're going to have made it. Right? You're going to have sweet. a dog at home that you kind of want. Hey. <laughs> We're going to get in a fight over it now. I know. Our very first fight. It's okay, Golden. It's okay, Golden. Don't say his name okay. like that. <laughs> I say Stephen Daisy's name like that all the time. Yeah, but it's too new for okay. Golden okay. to be getting that kind of vitriol. <laughs> okay, fair. So it's 1991, Steve and Kathy have a son named Josh. And Josh is saying like, yeah, we were still poor. He said there was never enough money. There was never excess money. Sometimes like if you had to pay something off, that means something else didn't get paid. And Steve had a job that he hated. He was a machinist making $11 an hour. Yeah. My job was mind-numbingly boring. I would set the cut 
And uh, while the cut was running, I'd have plenty of time to think. And I'd think about uh, something better. And then I would have time to just sit there and daydream about all the amazing things I never got to do. Right. He was reading Tom Clancy books. He was like immersing himself in these stories. He wanted out. He was super miserable. He would sink into these deep depressions. And Kathy, his wife, who like loves him and really sees him. Yeah. She really, really sees him. And she kind of always has. But she says like he didn't like or know himself. It's really hard. Like, I mean, I remember feeling this way when I was like at my hotel job. I was just like sitting there miserable, knowing this wasn't what I was meant to do but also knowing that like following your dreams is often a very like privileged way of thinking about the world like right. like Steve is a good example of like I gotta pay the bills like mm-hmm. God I don't have time to follow my dreams absolutely I got a family to fucking feed I got a house to wrap and sell a right. thing oh my the winter's God. coming right so he says I was pretty miserable until I found cereal boxes which I this I loved so much we really see Steve's OCD on like full display yeah. when he takes us into his basement and shows us how meticulously organized like you forget how cool cereal boxes can be until you see it through Steve's eyes. Well, especially because he folded them up and he's flipping through them like they're vinyl records. (laughs) It's so cool. And they're like, they're meticulously, they're almost like pressed. Yeah. You know? Yes. Steve was a creative person whose mind wanders a lot. And when he started collecting, he found some type of outlet for that. I love cereal boxes. They're just fun. Captain Crunch. And they're a part of my childhood. This is what I always say. Find your thing. Find your bliss. You know what I because mean? Because like, like cereal boxes, and I don't know if they still do this, but I remember this from like the 80s and the 90s. Like they would mix up, the, like cereal boxes were a thing. Right, They'd right. have like different things on it or they'd make it cool for a week. But he also tells us about like there was a time when you would like cut off your proof of purchase from your cereal box and you could like send it in for shit. Yes. This is like very Pepsi, where's my jet? Right. But if, I just love that he found a thing and like other shitty people, if yeah. they were still in his life, they'd be like, oh, grow up at cereal boxes. But uh-huh. Kathy was like okay cool like whatever and he like has them stored in his basement in like 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 it's a music store like Like it's it's a music store vinyl records also there's a dog here Steve is feeding it the cereal (laughs) we don't know its name I am terrified that I'm gonna feed Golden the wrong thing terrified yeah uh, me too. Everyone is like, you're going to kill that dog. It's like when we became parents. Like, we, I was convinced I was going to kill the kid because everyone's like, you're probably going to kill the kid. You're not still giving him cream cheese, right? No. Okay, good. I mean, the vet told us to, but he was, he was, a, have you ever seen a dog try to poop and like they're in the poop squat, but nothing comes out yes. because they're That's constipated from the cream cheese you've been feeding them? Okay. Which the vet told me to feed him. Probably like a little bit. You were yeah. giving him full lick pads of cream cheese. And I was like, <laughs> please stop doing that. Do not do that. She, to be clear, the vet said a lick pad was okay, but it probably, like, we were giving him a lot of it. Yes. He I... was constipated from... The poor little thing. The poor little yeah. thing. Oh but, so, Steve is, like, loving his life of, like, cutting off these proof-of-purchase seals, and you send in enough of them, and, like, you would get toys and stuff in the mail. He's like, I was getting Frisbees and sports yeah. items and cars... And what he was doing was he was like taking those and selling them at a profit. And suddenly, because he has so much cereal because he's obsessed with them, he would like have that many proofs of purchase. He would get that many toys that he would then sell. And he's like making a profit for his family. He's making like $300 a day at toy shows. I mean, thousands of toys. He did it often enough that they actually changed corporate policy about, about premium redemption. You know that little disclaimer? They say one per household. That's me. I did that. (laughs) I mean, it it was the first effort of push it till it breaks. 
Steve is the reason that the contests have one per household. It's he, he literally he, is like, like I did that. He really is the guy. This isn't like this isn't a joke. This yes. isn't a line. It was really him because they were like, "Why are we sending the same bouncy ball to this guy?" <laughs> but he says it was my first experience with push it until it breaks. Like he he's really all in on this. Like he's like this is giving him purpose. It's giving him purpose. You it's know getting I mean? him out of the house. He likes it. He's finding other people who also like it. He doesn't feel alone. He's making money. He's yeah. happy. And this like he had this little business. But now we're in a film noir movie. Oh my god. Well, yes, because he realizes, like, he's like, I'm not gonna be able to sell these toys at like toy shows anymore. I've got enough left for one last hurrah. Right. And this is he tells us all about it because it's where he learns about Pez. Right. And they do it in the style of a noir of film. Noir. <laughs> but also Citizen Kane. So yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah. like, is this just a black and white movie or is it a film I noir? I made this note. I love it when these documentaries have fun like this. This is, I mean, it's the called budget. the Pez Outlaw. Exactly. It's through the fucking roof, but I love it so much. Right. So he discovers Pez dispensers yes. and he's like, now that's my thing. I want to sell that now. Yes. And the toy world we learn is filled with secrets and people who speak in hushed tones. Yes. Well, but this is true. It's like anything that's a rare commodity is going to have those kinds of people. Right. So Steve, like, sees this woman and he's like, hey, where'd you get the Pez? And she's like, (laughs) it was it was haunting because it's like Rosebud from uh, Citizen Kane. And she leaned over and told me, you want the good stuff? You got to go to Kalinska. It was like the temptation of the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Kolinska! Like Rosebud in Citizen Kane. And he's like, it was haunting. It was like Rosebud from I Citizen Kane. I had to like Kane. look up where this place was. It's in Eastern Europe. That was about as far as I got. Right. I was like, where? where? Slovenia. 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 <laughs> Um, okay, thank you, private school. Thank <laughs> Google, you, thank you so everybody. much, private school. <laughs> Google, G-O-O-G-L-E dot com. It's super free. You all have it on your phones right now, actually, if you go to What it. if I, the thing is, the problem with Google is I just call it my Ryan Phillippe underpants machine. Right. Do you know what I mean? It does other things. That's, I, I wasn't even really aware of that until yesterday. I know. I, it's my Ryan Phillippe and underpants okay, great. machine. Okay, great. <laughs> like, why else? Here's my thing. Why is there anything else on the internet? What else do we need? When you're right, you're right. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know why you're clunking up the internet with other things when we could be putting up more pictures. Of like, there are plenty of things on the internet that shouldn't be That's on the internet. True. But like a map, I yeah. think is pretty valuable. A map to Ryan Phillippe's underpants. There you go. Or Thank Ryan you. Phillippe. In his underpants. What would you do if you met him? Would you like not have, would you? I don't know. It, it really depends on him. Because, it really depends. Oh. You know what I mean? It really depends on like how, if he's cool about it, if he's not right. cool about it. I don't know. I don't know. I really would like, if I would really like to, I'd like to meet him in an environment where he knows the deal and uh-huh. he's like, thinks it's funny. Like yeah. that's the ideal situation. Right. All right. Well, we'll see. So to be clear, this Kolinska, this, this whispered thing, that's the name of the Pez making factory in Slovenia. That's, right. That's what we're learning here. Exactly. Exactly. And like to put even a more fine point on it, and we'll get more in this later, the ones that are coming from this place are like not the ones, not the dispensers you can get in America. They're the cool, fancy ones you're seeing at like the toy shows. And those are the ones everyone wants. Because exactly. if you can go down the street to the bodega and get it, right. then like that's not valuable to no. these people. So now we're back with son Josh, who at the time that the dad discovers Pez, he's like in his early 20s. Right. And he's like, dad, let's fucking go to Europe and do this. Like, you got one chance. It's one thing that inspires you in life. Yeah. Let's give it a shot. And 
if it doesn't, go right back to being a machinist and being unhappy. Because the plan is like, why don't we go to Europe, get all of the rare Pez, yeah. and then sell them at the toy shows? Why not do that? It's, well, that's Josh's idea. And Steve's answer, Steve the dad's answer is, I don't go places. I mean, Europe, Europe is this thing that rich people only do and not something in my world. And he's like, it's not in my world. And I, I just wrote, I love Steve. I love him. So see, of course, the 20-year-old kid does all of the, like, yeah. gets the passport, calls the travel agent, does all the work, takes out a loan. Because if you think about it, like, this is a way out. Imagine yes. having a grumpy dad that you know is good, who's artistic, who's talented, and is a good person. Yeah. And, like, he's inspired by something right. for the first time in his life, but he's not going to do it because he's a little scared. And so Josh is like, this could save him. And and Josh just saw he's good at it. He's yes. good in the collector yes. world. He did it with the cereal boxes. Like, he's good at it. He takes care of that of everything. Like, totally. He's good at this. And he does it. He gets their passports. He gets their tickets. Bada bing, bada boom. They're on a plane to Europe. They're on a plane to Europe. And they also had no plan at all. They didn't know anyone. They didn't speak the language. They had no... Ma- they didn't, like, they'd never been that far from home. Like, no. just no plan at all. And can I just say, this is where we meet some asshole named David Welch. So, throughout this thing, we sort of meet these other collectors. Yeah. And so many of them are such sour grapes because they didn't have the either the presence of mind, the forethought, or the fucking bravery to do what Steve is doing. Wow. Hopping on a plane and just going for it. Because David, all he wants to do is talk shit about Steve. He's like, I heard he was going to Europe and thought he was crazy. He's just some hillbilly from the middle of nowhere. He calls him a, like a troll with like a magical yeah, gift over yeah. and over. And I'm like, it's why do nice. people do this? It's not nice. Be happy for the guy who's doing the thing. Right. And the only people who aren't happy for those people are the people who can't do it. Right. Or who, you know? who are mad they didn't think of it first. Exactly. Or whatever. And like, just Steve will be friends with you. Just I'm be friends with you. I'm telling you, this is like the whole philosophy behind the Obsessed Fest and all of it. Could I be jealous of our podcaster friends who come to Obsessed Fest who are more successful than us? Of course I could. Or I could invite them to a party for the weekend. Right. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let, let's hold each other up. I like parties. And be there for each other and like support each other. Like that's, yeah. people who don't come from that mindset make me crazy. And this guy, David, is the president of that club. It's also very easy to do that option. It's yes. It's easy to yes. have the party. Yes, do you know it what I mean? Is. It's, it's not hard. I mean, to do. it's a lot of hard work, but like, but like, to, that mindset is yeah. a, is much easier. Because guess what? When you when you put out the offer, everyone says yes. Because right. you know why? Everybody wants to have the and party. Everyone's like, oh. So stop being a fucking asshole, David, and just be happy for your friend Steve. So anyway. <laughs> So they're driving around at 1 a.m. They're using a paper map. They get hopelessly lost, as they I'm say. I'm like, this is, would be me in Slovenia. They're in Slovenia driving down a dirt road at 1 o'clock. Like, the, the thought wasn't like, let's just get our bags and go to the hotel and figure this out in the morning. Or maybe they're, like, they're trying to do that, right? and this is where they end up. They're just lost. They come to a chain link fence, and all of a sudden, they see like guns and lights and cars and sirens. Now let's put a pin in that, because yeah. now we're back to Kathy talking about how great her sex life is with Steve. <laughs> Kathy! It was not love at first sight, it was lust at first sight. Let me say the sex was really good (laughs) for a long time. Still is. Kathy is such a quiet, sweet old lady. It's always been great. It's still great. It will always be great. She, Good for them. You know what? Get it, Kathy? But Kathy tells us it was not love at first sight. It was lust at first sight. They Kathy, are so hot for each other oh, still. I, I love it. I know. Me too. I love it. It's so great. But the thing is, like, Kathy, and I think that's sweet in a way because Kathy, like, Steve never thought that anyone would feel that way for him. And so for Kathy to validate him Uh, on Netflix in that way is a really beautiful, like, she sees him. I I mean, like, I can't say it enough. You know, 
what, that's the dream, right? Like when you're a kid or whatever age you are, if you are a person who's interested in a relationship like that, that's what you dream of. Right. You dream of like the one, like the diamond in the rough that nobody else wanted and right. you want and you get and you like, that's what it feels like with me and Steve too. Yeah, like, of course. It's so, when you find your person like that and you see like yeah. to their, the core of their soul. Of course. It's, th- this documentary is so good. It's, it's really good. It's so inspiring and these people are amazing. I love them. Yeah. Except for fucking David who can fuck you off. Hate David. And yo, be while we're happy at it. for him. He did it's something. He tried. And can we lighten up? It's Pez. Right. We all gotta lighten up. <laughs> including me. Including you. So they met in the 70s. They were 18 years old. And Steve says Kathy was one of the flower children. She was one of the beautiful people. Yeah. And two seconds earlier, Kathy was like, he could still get it. We bone all the time. It's <laughs> hot as fuck. And I'm like, yes, I Steve, know. get it. I know. Steve is the best sex life of anyone I know. And he says, like, Kathy allows me my dreams until I go too far off the path and then she reigns me back She's in. like, let's not go crazy. I- like, I've been doing this since I'm 18. Like, she knows the deal. Kathy says, I was the typical wife who always told him no because he was always coming up with harebrained schemes. And then I realized that maybe I should start saying yes. Maybe it'll get someplace and it'll definitely make him happier. What if I just said yes? Right. You know? Yeah. And like, she tries it she out. She realized there's a middle. Right. There's a middle ground here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So we're back in Europe. They're wandering aimlessly. They're looking for the factory. This is when they get set upon by either the dissidents or the cops. We don't know who. And then it's just like, we just stop talking about that because they right. realize <laughs> the address is printed on the Pez box. Exactly. So they just go. They just walk right in. They play the dumb American angle. They look disheveled. And I'm like, hey, it works for Columbo. Yeah. It's really, and like Josh loves to point out, like you really do get far by like, oh, we can't just walk into the factory. Dumb American. I'm like, but they're so nice about it. Exactly. So they're in the factory. They're amazed. They are in awe. They can't believe, one, they made it there alive, and two, that they're there. And they meet Marcos. They love Marcos. All right, Marcos. He's a designer. (laughs) He has great ideas. But the problem with that is that Pez USA was always saying no to his amazing, incredible, creative ideas. Yeah, and and like when they see Marcos, but like Pez Europe or whatever is not. It's all systems go for Marcos's ideas. Yeah. So they're wandering around seeing all his amazing Pez dispensers. They say that it was like being in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and they had the golden ticket. Right. This doesn't make any sense to me. There's something about this story that we're not getting the whole no, thing. No, of course. We like, never will. These two Americans are just allowed to walk around and just like take handfuls of whatever they right. want. I don't think that's what And happened. just because like Marco was never like seen creatively. So because what happens is we learn where he's exactly. like, finally, someone who understands me. Right. Which I get. Yeah, yeah, But like yeah. Pez USA and Pez International were very different. Pez yes. International distributed to everywhere but the United States. Right. And Pez USA was kind of its own thing. It was like basically it was run by its own person. And it was everything Pez related in the U.S. went through Pez USA. So every it was yes. like the only one that was different. And Steve is saying what's so frustrating is that like Europe would bust its butt and come up with a great idea or get some really good licenses. And Pez USA would say, no, no, it's stupid. We hate it. No, no, you're ignorant. We hate it. But everything unique and creative that they came up with, I could not get enough of that's why Rosebud told him at the toy show, yeah. this is where you want to be. Right. Because this is where you get the cool stuff. And remember, it was 1991. Like, there wasn't internet where you can Google what they were selling over there. It became word of mouth. Yeah. The collectors knew about it. It was a secret Rosebud thing. And here we are. And the only people who are going to get it are the people who are going to get on the plane and fucking go there, go. David. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and guess what? Steve's the only one who did it. Right. 
I'm very proud of Steve. I am too. My God. He thinks Europe is just for rich people. You know who I don't like, though? Uh, Bud Damberg. Oh, yeah, him, but also Scott McWinney. Do you yeah. want to talk about so, Bud? So Scott McWinney is the president of Pez America. He's the what? He's the president. Uh. <laughs> but he's not here. Bud, his, like, second in command is, like, here for the documentary to sort of tell us the Pez America yeah. president version of things. Right. So that's the only reason we're going to talk about Bud. And Scott... Is a real fucking wet blanket. Who? Scott. The. President. Here's my thing about president. Here's my thing about it. Lay it on me. If you're I'm gonna, just over here thriving in my homosexuality. You lay it on me. If you're going to be known and w- need everyone to call you the president, yeah. you have to have a sense of humor. Yeah, you yeah, have yeah, to yeah. lighten up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, so if he's yeah. going to be like, hey, I'm the president, right. and then also be a total dick to Steve yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and collectors in general, yeah. that doesn't really make sense. So to me, he's like, oh, call me the president and everyone will think I'm fun totally. and cool, but I'm really not at all. No. I'm a total like, nightmare. Any good idea, if it's not Daffy Duck, fuck it. They're not getting or it here. Or if it's not his idea. Exactly. So Scott was always, always, always saying no. The president was always saying no. (laughs) And so Steve, the Pez outlaw, he loved everything that Marcos was showing him. And it's like, I can't believe that the U.S., like, I can't believe they're saying no to all these. And so Steve's story is that just because I loved what Marco was making. That endeared us to them. They loved us. Just loved us. These people were hungry for American dollars. They wanted to work with us. They wanted to do business with us and everything. Also, they were really hungry for American dollars. Right. And I think what no one is saying is that, like, everyone's getting paid off. Everyone's fine. In Europe. Like, they're all getting paid off. So, like, Marcos loves Steve because Steve wants his product and is probably paying him under the table for it. Right. And everyone's mad at the president. Exactly. Exactly. So Marcos shows Steve and Josh the Bubble Boy dispenser, yes. which is My terrifying. It is, I don't like it. I like it, but like the amount of drama surrounding the Bubble Boy. Right. I honestly thought it was going to be like John Travolta from that movie. That's not what it is. He was in Bubble Boy? He was in like the Boy in the Bubble, like in the 70s, where he had like um, no immune system. So he had to like literally live in a bubble, which I think is based on a true story. Oh my God. I know. Was it a made for TV movie? It sure was. Oh, it sounds like yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> What if you were like, no, it actually won the Oscar. No, <laughs> Academy Award winner John Travolta. Can you imagine? Is he not one? I don't know. Yeah, probably not. I don't think so. I'll ask him at Pride next year. Okay, great. <laughs> Bubble Boy's ugly. Okay. Um, so rude. It is. It's just not a cute. You would think like, wow, what a cool. It's not even that original. It's just like, it, it's just a person. It's like a head. It's a kid who's like blowing a bubble. So like imagine the puffed out cheeks. But That's the bubble is. isn't there. Right. So it just looks like a little mat. It's very odd. But the thing about Bubble Boy is that it, it's never going to be released. So they've got like these like thousands of dispensers and Steve is like, I'll take them all. Right. And it's not just Bubble Boy, it's yeah. other designs. So they leave with multiple duffel bags of quote product. And you cannot tell me he didn't slip Marcos like a couple thousand of dollars. Course. Or whatever. Like, or promise to if he doesn't have any money now. You know what I mean? Right. Of course. So everything's great, right? No. They have to get through <laughs> right. customs when they come back to so the country. So this like, this is so ridiculous. We get 20 minutes and we meet customs officers for Jesus. PJ. We meet them for days and days. Essentially, Steve is saying, I had to get I had these duffel bags full of Pez dispensers that I had to get through customs. And so, of course, he gets like pulled into the back room where they're like going through his bags and not before telling us that what they often find in these bags are drugs, weapons, body parts, human heads, and dead animals. Yeah, I hate everybody. It's fucking terrible. But when you read that list, I'm like, so what's the problem with Pez? Like, yeah. who cares? And the thing is, Steve had to sneak all of these in, but he's like, I have a plan, everyone. It was something I learned. You had to be methodical about how you went about it. I had to appear to be 
a fool, disheveled, crazy. So I'd stay awake for 24 hours prior to hitting customs. Because the hapless American thing kind of works overseas, then all these custom agents are like, no, Don't that's, do that. that's what gets you pulled out Absolutely. of the line. <laughs> yeah. Because Steve's like, I would stay up for 24 hours before. I'm like, what? But the bottom line is that, like, Steve is able to bring these in because a lot of companies apparently don't know. You have to register your trademark with the Customs and Border Patrol. Right. Otherwise, people can bring your product in using that trademark and sell it as their own thing and has never registered. Right. It literally just comes down to that. They had a registered trademark on file with the patent office, but they'd never they registered the with border. customs. Yeah. So that's how Steve was able to bring in duffel bags over and over and over again full of Pez dispensers. Right. And what we learn from Bud, who works at Pez USA, like what he's doing is he's bringing in, quote, gray market items, uh-huh. which just means that he's unofficially selling selling official Pez items. Yeah. And he's not associated with Pez at all. No, and like when the customs officers look up to see if Pez registered their trademark with customs and they didn't, the border agent is like, well, if they're going to be that fucking stupid, go on your merry go way, ahead. sir. Yeah. Take them and go. those ugly bubble boy Pez? Okay. <laughs> like, what's the harm? I got a human head yesterday. <laughs> Like, it's pets. I know. The we human bigger, heads. bigger fish to fry. Also, like, who honestly thinks you're going to be able to get a human head through customs? I don't who know. Who thinks that? I don't know. What are we doing Just because it's in, in your carry-on or whatever? No, absolutely it, This not. is why we do episodes like The Pez Outlaw, to I, get away from dead people. It's like, true. can we escape it for five minutes? Can We're the world, safe nowhere. Can the world sit down? Everyone take a nap and have a glass of water. <laughs> but they get back from Europe, and they start to see how quickly they're able to, like, unload this product. Because it's so rare in America. These are all the Pez dispensers. You can't can't get here. The Bubble Boy, of which they only have one, they get an offer for $1,250 for it. Right. Seems right. like I never wanted to sell it, but money talks. But Steve, yes, you I, did. And I love you. But he's like, I have yeah. no intention of selling these thousands of these like duffel bags worth of pets. Yes, yeah, you yes, did. Yes, of course you did. Steve says he brings the pet dispensers to a convention. He's got thousands of them. The collectors bought pretty much everything I had overnight. I paid 27 cents each. 300 bucks. He's selling them for up to $300 each. Yeah, or $12.50 if you're that Bubble Boy one. Right. $1,250. He's able to quit his job. Yeah. Thanks to Enya. He's inspired by Enya. (gasps) He's not on this lash. (laughs) He becomes a Pez dispenser dispensary full time. It's true, though. I want to say a Pez dispensary, but it's a Pez dispenser dispensary. It's a Pez dispenser dispensary. Yeah, a Pez dispenser dispensary. I'm just going dispensary. Absolutely. When I left the shop for the last time, I went from uh, working 79-hour work weeks to doing my own thing. I went to selling toys and Pez full-time doing his own thing that he's doing legally and he totally loves. And that he loves. Yeah. So now let's meet some of the Pez community, shall we? Like John Devlin, who's cool Pez, cool man. Pez man. That's his lower third. He loves fast cars. He loves scotch. But there's nothing like a great find in Pez. <laughs> ah! 
says John. Oh my God. But these people are serious collectors. They have hundreds of thousands of pets and they're super organized. They walk us through their pets rooms. Tina once paid $11,000 for a single dispenser. And they don't say which one it is. I, know. I must know. I know. These 11 are people. 11 grand. 11 Tina, grand. where'd you get 11 grand? And it's all like, welcome to my pets room. Like they're, they're very, very, very serious about it. So if she has that $11,000 pets, like it is, it, it is, she's taking care of it. Yeah. Very well. No yeah. one can look at it, basically. And, like, Steve just cannot keep in stock, and he's saying, all I wanted to do was get back to Europe. He hears the real mother load is in Hungary. Okay. Okay, we're sure. going to Hungary. We're going to Hungary, everyone. We got to meet Gunther. He's yeah. the man of importance in Hungary. He's the managing director. At Pez Europe. Yeah. And Steve says to us, now, Gunther, he had power. He had power. He had real power. You don't fuck with Gunther. <laughs> but he does, like, Steve tells us a story. And again, we love Steve. But... Yeah. We're not getting the whole truth from anybody no, here. No, we're not. Yeah. We're not. Especially Gunther when we meet him. Right. Oh, well, my God. Well, here's a story about Gunther. Yeah. That Steve tells us. Yeah, but we're going to meet the real Gunther soon. He lies to us. Oh, I know. He, like, I... immediately. Yeah. And so does Johan, please. So, <laughs> this Gunther guy. Gunther took a post it, just a stupid little post it, wrote a few words, signed his name. And I handed the post-it to the uh, the guard at the gate. I mean, he might as well hop to and clicked his heels and opened up the gate. I mean, really, that little post-it. Everybody did anything we asked. According to Steve, this is his golden ticket. Doors right. open. People were basically bowing down to him. Because once again... And we don't know what the hell it said. No, there's a random American guy with his son walking around the Pez dispensary. Now, I know the Pez dispensers are cool. Yeah. But there's an actual food product being made there. Right. Like, this should, and eventually, Gunther's going to say to us, oh, my God, you could do anything in Hungary. It's lawless. There's no right. rules. So maybe that's part of it. But, like, I just don't believe that he's just allowed to walk through the factory and just do that thing with his arm where he sweeps off off whatever he wants right. off the shelf into a bag. I love that you consider Pez food. I, know. That's, I was like, what food is being made? Oh, the Pez, the actual candy. The dried block of sugar. Listen, have you ever had a Pez? Of course I've had a Pez. Pez? You forget how delicious a Pez it's is really good. until you pop it in the old smack. The orange is pretty good, right? Wasn't there orange The Pez? raspberry, the blueberry, the grape is probably my favorite. I love a Pez. Look at you, I know. Pez. I love a Pez. I got a whole a individual Pez for all the kids for Daisy's birthday. Day, and I got like four for myself. So Pez is still a thing. You can yeah. still get Pez. Yep. I got them at Party City. Look at that. <laughs> you just became your mother. Look at that. They're all oh, dead. They're all, dead. They're all dead. Look how young they were. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, they're all dead. Oh, look at that. That's how they used to wear it like that. That's how they used to have it. <laughs> But he says that, like, Gunther basically oversees Steve taking as whatever he wants. But Steve only has $4,000, so he can only actually take $4,000 worth of product. Right. And he says, I only had 4000 bucks maybe in my pocket. So, I mean, it was very disappointing for Gunther. You know, Gunther didn't give the money to Pez. He kept it. Oh, and the last thing he says as he's getting out of the car, he leans back in and he goes, I don't know you. I don't know you. And then Gunther goes, by the way, we never met. I don't know you. Yeah. No, Gunther's not here. We haven't met Gunther yet, but this is what Steve says. Right. Gunther pockets the cash and says, I don't know you. You were never here. I've never met you. So now some of these Pez were made in Europe. Yes. And not, not the United States, right? But some of them were what they're calling pre-production samples. And we learned that that's illegal to sell because they weren't ever released at all. They weren't right. even released in Europe. Right, exactly. We're back in Connecticut with Scott, the president. He's furious. Bud, the guy who's here to speak for him, says, yeah. 
Yeah. We're finding out there's all these illegal dispensers all over the country on the black market. Okay. To which I said, bud, this is not black tar heroin. No. It's fucking Pez. It's the gray Take market. Take it down a notch. It's like exactly. They called it the gray market. The before. black market. People it's are getting Pez. killed for this shit. It's Pez. And you're like an enormous industry. Don't worry about it. I know. It's, he's a guy, like, I love, but he's like a guy at a toy show. I really wouldn't worry about and it. And you know what? Honestly, like, we get- And he loves it. The Pez people, the president, all of them, they're yeah. going to, like, say eventually that, like, it was cutting into our business. Fuck that. No, no it, it wasn't. wasn't. This guy's just- ha- Is he doing some backhanded deals? Fine. Yes, Whatever. fine. Whatever. We just want Steve to win. Right. He's just a guy that's kind of sad. He's got some mental health shit. He's got right. a fucking wife that he loves to bang. Ball steep in his wife whenever he can. Oh, boink. <laughs> Whenever he can be. That is like way, way too close to the morning zoo. Boink. Now, you know. That's a throwback to God forbid, fam. I'm just saying, like, I just, he's had a tough life. Let him win. God damn it. And the thing is, like, if they would just have a conversation with Steve instead of getting furious, like, hire him or just, like, embrace him in some way and they just refuse. And, like, Scott, the president, is getting mad. Every time Steve succeeds, the president gets madder and madder. And he's like, I need to find out who's getting, I I have to get to the bottom of this. So now we meet Richie. He's a Pez collector and a former cop, and he ran the Pez newsletter starting in 1995. He's a fucking Pez narc, this guy. Right, so this is, remember the Beanie Mania catalog yeah. that was like, what's out there? Are there any fakes? Blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. This was sort of that, Which but is for Pez. Just so funny that like that newsletters were a thing. If you loved something, you started a newsletter. It was right. podcast before they were podcasts. Or if you hated something, like we learned in Barney, you start a newsletter about how much you hate something. Hey, how about this? Go hang out with your kid who you're so jealous of Barney about. Like, I, stop. Totally. That guy sucked. I know. Uh, I, I just... <laughs> So you're jealous of Barney. I know, I know. So then instead of spending time with your kid, you're going to make an I Hate Barney newsletter I and know. charge people 35 cents to be a part I of know. it. I just love a deep, frustrated sigh. I'm so from tired. Me. I know. Like, <laughs> but everyone is saying... In a lot of senses, Richie was the number one spy for uh, Pez USA. No, I wasn't a spy. People thought I was the Pez police, but no, I really didn't tell them anything. Did he report back to Scott? Yes. Not a doubt in my brain. He was the Pez police. He was a narc. Exactly. Rich is like, no, I totally wasn't. Then we cut back to Bud or whatever his From name marketing. is. The guy who's like the speaker for the president. He's like, yeah, no, that guy was totally on the payroll. He was like, he was like our private PR agency. He printed whatever we want. He got yeah. private tours and access that no one else had. So my theory is like, I think he definitely was a narc, but I think that maybe Richie like didn't realize it. Yeah. Because I think he was like he thought the Pez guys really liked him totally. and he got yeah. to do the cool Pez stuff and then he's like sure do you want me to on page what absolutely I, I don't think he knew <laughs> he about Steve, Steve Glue like I don't I, yeah. I mean looking back with a bird's eye view I think it's like very clear but I think Richie just thought they were nice to him and I, liked him and just think, like he tells us that he gets to like go on a Pez factory tour sure. they, and they don't allow that to anybody meanwhile Steve is in Hungary fucking running the joint swimming like, like Scrooge door. McDuck in Pez <laughs> exactly and again Scott we know that Scott the president sucks. He right. hates collectors. He had spies in the Pez world. He's just, someone's like, he's just not likable. Well, and we also learn, this was a little confusing to me. He is upset. Remember Bubble Man? The Bubble one you Boy. think is scary? Yeah. Apparently, the president was the one who came up with the original idea. So that was the ugly Pez that was never sold in the US. It right. was his design. Yes. And we learned, we don't know why, but for whatever reason, the project was put on hold. I thought he was like the big boss, so 
but maybe someone was like, dude, that's ugly. We're not selling it. People that. were like, we're not doing it, but it gets to Marco over in Slovenia or whatever. And Marco's like, I'm going to print one. He gives it to Scott. And then like, bada boom, bada bing, Scott sells it. And we see, we actually see the actual footage of a woman reselling yeah. the bubble guy at a fair for like $1,200 or whatever. Apparently the president saw that and the steam came out of his ears. Right. The way, with like those big bubble cheeks. I'm just imagining yeah. the steam. It's and exactly the hat like the blowing boy. off his yeah, head yeah. as the steam is. He's the worst. <laughs> The, the worst. worst. So he's like, fuck this. I need to ruin everything. So yeah. he starts. <laughs> Which I say like at least twice a day. At least. You know what I mean? At least. Fuck this. I have to ruin I everything. I have to ruin everything. Okay, God bye. Damn it. Okay, bye. <laughs> I gotta go. You know gotta who to blame? Ruin everything. Yeah. So Scott the president decides, I hate everything. I hate fun. Now I have to make this thing worthless. Yes. So he releases it. So now Pez US, you can get Bubble Boy at the corner store now. Yes. Making it worthless. For like a dollar. So the, all the ones that like Steve smuggled into the country or whatever. Worthless. And they're all worthless. Which is like smart. If you want to ruin somebody, I guess sure. it's smart. But also pick up the phone and offer Steve a job. I know. It's it so doesn't stupid. have to be like this. It's so stupid. And we'll get in more into this later, but Steve is really creative and would have been a major asset to of Pez. Of course. And he loved it. Like just, and that's the thing. So, like, Pez isn't even putting its own interest first. It just wants to squash this guy. And that's, and Steve's like. And that's when I decided to become the Pez outlaw. Every sale I could take away from Scott McGuinney was a nail in his coffin. As the Pez outlaw, nothing stops me. I mean, for good or ill, I will win. I will win in the end. Nothing stops me. I always win. He's the Pez outlaw. I always win. Yes, let's let's go. My we God. ride at dawn, Steve. Let's do this. <laughs> well, Steve, Steve says that like at that point, he and his son were going to Europe every three or four weeks and going to shows in between that. They were so busy that sometimes they'd go to Europe, pick up a shipment, and fly from Europe to a, a toy show. I was like, how are there really that many conventions to go to? Cut to Steve being like, I was drunk with money. <laughs> I was rich. <laughs> it's true. Like they're suddenly completely loaded. And the thing is, illegal. Legal or not, gray market, gray area, whatever. The Pez Outlaw was constantly advertising what he was selling. Yes. So he was advertising it and then creating a demand. Right. And he's like, the real Pez company isn't advertising at all. I'm advertising everywhere. And then it cuts back to like the corporate people who are like, well, you fucking schmuck. Now we know who you are and right. where you're going to be. And now we know how to crush you. Because Bud for marketing is like, it's one thing to go on vacation and come back with 20 Pez. Right. It's another thing to go there every couple of weeks, bring back stuff that it was in pre-production that wasn't even released. And yes. Then sell it on the, the collector's and, market. And, like, that's a, that's fair. But what I don't understand is why cooler heads aren't prevailing. Everyone can win here. Like, and it's even so Steve is like, I, it, it's only good if Pez loses and I win. Come together. Because Steve, like, during this boom time, he's loaded. He buys his family a house. He buys his wife a horse. She gets yeah. to quit her job and just, like, commune with horses all day. Yeah. He gets to do everything he wanted. Yeah. But he's not doing it on the up and up. That's the thing. I'm not saying anything bad about Steve. I'm on Steve's side here. I agree. But, like, this can't, this is not sustainable. Right. It's not. Yes. Steve, the Pez outlaw, is convinced he's being followed. He thinks he's being followed to and from Europe and around Europe. I learned to protect my space. Getting off the highway, taking back roads. Totally paranoid. I saw people follow me all the time. I thought there was somebody behind me. Man, I ditch him. He was paranoid. Right, he's paranoid. And Bud is saying, like, well, hang on a second. Scott, the president, he was way too busy. He never followed Steve around Europe. Did we hire people to follow Steve around Absolutely. Europe? Yes, we sure did. They had a nickname. And they tell Steve in real time. Yeah. Steve is learning in real time. These 
producers are a little tatty Taylor-ish oh, in this totally. documentary. They're playing both sides against the 100. middle. 100. Because Bud, Bud eventually goes, oh yeah, the shadow. I'm like, this guy had a name? So then they tell the outlaw about the shadow and he's like, I knew it! <laughs> Look, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean it's not true. And this is where we take a quick detour to go to Vienna. So, Johan, from the beginning, yeah. who's like, why isn't this about me? Big crank. We learn the story that Steve just like shows up at Johan's house one day because he's another collector and wants right. to do some bit. Johan's really shady. We are at Johan's house now and Johan's on a ladder climbing into an attic of some cottage. Johan is treating this like a major drug deal. Right. <laughs> he has the outlaw sit outside on the curb. Johan yes. goes in to get the product. Right, totally. And like, he won't, sh- he won't let the producers in. He won't let the cameras see what he actually has. But also, people won't talk about Johan on the record. I know. They ask all these people, so let's talk about Johan. And at one point, someone's like, are you filming? Is this on the is record? The right? And they say yes, and then they're like, I, I, I never won't talk. What <gasps> Tina, the one who spent 11 grand on one, goes, there's not much I know about Johan that I'll say. That I'll say. <laughs> and at first, you're like, this guy seems like a dick and just like an eccentric. Yeah. But what is really going on here? It's so weird. I don't, and I don't know. We don't really know. We don't ever really find out, but I don't like him. But apparently, like, what the vibe we get is that this guy is just like, hoarding a bunch of Pez to make the prices go up. Yes. Because at one point, it's like, if anyone knew how much he really had. So I think that attic is like the Full big, of like bubble the treasure boys trove. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. to, but it's like, how, then how are you getting the prices? Like, he'll take like one single bubble boy and sell. I don't know but what like, he's doing. I'd like some clarity, Netflix. Honestly, and like it's the same thing with the beanie mania. You know what I mean? It's just like we're gonna tell the story in a documentary, (laughs) and Steve the outlaw has been waiting twenty years to tell the story. Let's tell it. It's like these weird corners of the internet where people do weird things. It's so weird. It's so like sometimes it gets scary. But so like Johan and Steve can't come to a deal. Then out of a sudden he was not interested anymore because he thought he he could get it for an apple and an egg, but this was not so, and so we parted our ways. The outlaw thought he could get it for an apple and an egg. And I'm like, oh, what? I know. There's I had to Google that phrase. There's more to this story than we're getting. A hundred percent. But have you ever heard that phrase? He could only get it for an apple and an egg? Uh-uh. I had to Google it. It just means to buy something cheaply. It's weird. This whole Johan diversion is very strange. But anyway, the outlaw has an actual Pez business. He has six employees. Yeah. Including his son. It's like a real business. Yeah. And Steve, the outlaw, is saying, the more success I had, the more Scott, the president, hated me and was obsessed with me. And now we meet Gunther. Yeah, right. So now we meet Gunther. So Gunther is the guy in Hungary. He's the not, all-powerful guy who wrote a note. The and post-it everyone, or yeah. whatever. Not a stick'em, but a post-it. Uh, totally a stick'em. <laughs> totally. They're stick'ems yeah. now, baby. <laughs> well, Steve's whole story about Gunther is that he was paying Gunther off. He's like, here's four grand. Whatever that gets me, I'm going to throw in a duffel bag and go home. So we are with Gunther now, and we learn that Gunther worked for Pez for 47 years. And Bud, the marketing guy, is like, oh, Gunther's always been a stand-up guy. Of course I know Gunther. Yeah. And Gunther, remember, Steve's whole story about this guy is I'm paying him off. He's giving me Pez. Gunther, to the camera, pretends he can't remember. There was a guy, I forget the name from him. Tell me a name from a famous collector. Who do you have? Uh, David Welch. Do you know that name? No, I know the name, but it was not David Welch. John Devlin? Nein. What about Steve Glue? Ah, this was, this guy, this guy. He was always here, Steve Glue. Oh, that guy, that guy, right. And the producers ask him straight up, like, did you do business with him? And he's like, no way, absolutely not. I was a company man. I worked there for 47 years. I was loyal to the and end. And at one point he's like, yeah, I don't uh, I don't know. I guess someone g- gave him Pez at one point, I guess. It's I don't like, know. Gunther, you were the man. Everybody says you were running the show. There's no way in the world Steve was going to get in there and make it out of there with duffel bags no full way. of Pez without you knowing it and or approving Gunther, it. Gunther, come I on. Know. <laughs> and the producers say to him... 
hey, you know that Steve was saying that you were on the take. And Gunther's like, nope, not me. Yeah, no, do bye. bye. Why are we here then, Gunther? I, there really is no reason and for me here. And can everyone just lighten up and pick up the phone and call Steve the outlaw and just like work? To, I just don't understand it. Yeah. Like embrace the collectors. But he, Steve says like eventually Scott, the president, was cracking down so hard that like everyone in Europe had to pretend not to know him or like him. Gunther once chases him out of the parking lot oh, and hungry. God. That guy, Marco, won't look at him. I said, et tu, Marco? Et tu, Marco. <laughs> but I look, what a, what a journey that Steve was like, I don't go to Europe. Like, I can't go to Europe. And now he's going back and forth every six weeks doing these dirty Pez deals. I know. <laughs> and like, you know, this is kind of the end of it for Steve. He says they had to shut down the Pez dispensaries. Well, apparently they, they shut down two European factories that the, like, the outlaw that w- was always going to. Uh, Kolinska turned into a, a ketchup factory and soup. Ormos turned into a dustpan factory. And uh, I don't say it with a brag, but I accept responsibility for both being shut down because of me. And nothing to do with Steve Blue. Bud's like, this has nothing to do with Steve the Outlaw. I'm like, it has to have a little something to do with it. 100%. Like, if Scott the President is so focused on... Because all that Scott the President cares about is crushing Steve's business. Right. Like, you crush a Pez. Exactly. I love a Pez. But the point is, I feel like Scott would rather see these factories close down and these hundreds of people lose their jobs so Steve can no longer go there and get the Pez dispensers to sell in the U.S. Yes. Then rather than pick up the phone and be like, let's come to a deal. Like, how much money could they possibly be losing? Or just go register your trademark with the fucking customs officials and then he can't do this. Like, Like, it's so stupid. If I know that you're supposed to do that, how does Scott the president not know? I don't know. Because he doesn't have Google. Exactly. He has the Ryan Phillippe underwear machine (laughs) instead. Look, I stand by it. Okay, great. Until you've seen it. I've seen Cruel Intentions. <laughs> that had no underwear. Oh, my God. So this is the beginning of the end because the outlaw can no longer get his product, which means that his business that he loved so much and he worked so hard for had to end. And it's crazy because, you know, his life's like they bought a new house. Kathy quit her job. Then we learned that Kathy develops Parkinson's. I do want to say they make it seem like it's this really sad moment. And I'm sure it was very hard for their family. She's still alive at the end of this. Yes. 100%. It was one of those things where it's like, wait, she are we going to get are we seriously are we going to have this heartbreaking no. moment? No. She's, she's okay. still with us, but I think the money was great for Steve. I don't think it's what motivated him. Of I course. think he like found a thing that he loved, yeah. that he like was good at, that he could like make connections and go do it. And somehow he was able to find the Pez and right. get him into the country and then sell him here. Like the money is nice, but like taking this away from him is so much more than just losing the money. Well, don't and worry. For a person with like mental health struggles, yeah, of course, like that, I think that's going to compound it. Absolutely, but don't worry because Steve has a plan. Of course, so, always because he still got to pay your bills, yeah. right? Okay, we can live in like a rainbow and puppy world, but we still have bills. <laughs> you have can to be thrive paid. in your homosexuality all you want. <laughs> all you want, but you still got to pay those bills. Totally. So Steve's like, all right, well, if I can't sell Pez, why don't I just make my own Pez and then sell that? Like, I, mean, I, I can do this. This is so genius. It, it finally occurred to me, why don't I create my own? Um, I had a lot of good ideas, just like Marcos. He's going to hate me for this. <laughs> He has ideas just like Marcos. I know. And I I had a hard time understanding how he was allowed to do this. Well, I have a weird story about this. Okay. I tried to make a custom Monopoly board. Oh, my. There are, there are websites. Did you say, oh, my? Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh my. You, Keith Morrison? Good I'm Lord. startled by that. Yeah. There are websites you can go on and, like, if you want to make your own custom game, like, you yeah. can go on and buy, like, certain things. But you had to, like, I had to send them the proofs. And it was, like, I think, like, a Game of Thrones board. And they would they were like, nope, we're not printing that. 
because oh, wow. that's copyright. So, like, I, we can't do that. So I could buy, like, the board or I can buy. And then I had to, like, go to Kinko's and print it all out and make the Monopoly cards and make everything oh, myself. Oh, my God. But, like, they w- they wouldn't let me do that online. So that was, you know, 15 years ago, whatever it was. But so like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Steve is able to do that. He has all these beautiful ideas for these different kinds of Pez. And it says Pez on the side. He has them made. He takes out a mortgage. He gets a line of credit for 250 grand. Right. They ship them all to his house. He's got boxes and boxes branded in the Pez logo. And he, which is also like, Steve, this is not the smart. I mean, the, now they can really come for you. Yeah, which is crazy. So, like, especially because he's, he has Bubble Boy. It's right. Bubble Boy, but with like a see through head. So now he's like taking their ideas a little bit. It's pretty amazing. And he says, like, that year he goes to these toy shows, he makes his first million dollars. So he, it's five bucks to make each Pez. Yeah. And he's selling them for 25 bucks. And now, for whatever reason, this is also not clear. He was assured that everything, all of these designs were exclusive to him. Wow. He right. says he has this in writing. It's not a signed contract, but it's like faxes. And it's not from Pez. So no. it must have been from the manufacturers. Yes. But he was so happy because he thought, like, I'm safe now. Like, right. no one else can take these designs. People are loving my designs. Like, I'm really good at this. No. That's not no, what happens. No, because one day he shows up at a toy fair. He's just made his million bucks. He shows up at a toy fair with all of his products. And Pez is fucking there. We took every single one of his and copied him. The misfits were manufactured as a way to put him out of business. Where he was selling them for, say, $20, $25, we're selling them now for $1.99. So basically pulled the gas right out of them. They've just taken all of Steve's designs Mm -hmm. that he's selling for $25, copied them to a T, and they're now selling them for $1.99. And Bud is here to be like, yep, that's exactly what we did. Just talk to each other, pick up the phone, and talk to each other. And Bud is smiling and laughing, saying the only reason they did this was to shut down Steve. They did this to ruin his life. Yeah. Like, on purpose. And the president fucking loved this so much. They destroyed the outlaw. The president is thrilled, but also empty and dead inside. Now, my thing about this, look, I get it. Like, it's their business. They own it. Whatever. They have the right to do this. If you cared about the business, wouldn't you hire Steve and say, let's make an exclusive line. Everybody wins. Or at the very beginning, instead of trying to take him down, send a cease and desist. Right. Or something. Like, do we have to go to 100? But there is a way. Like, if if people want this, there's a way that Pez could have made money. Why isn't Pez making exclusive we're only printing a hundred of these we'll take all of Steve's great ideas we'll pay him for him right. then we'll you know what I mean like there, right. there is just there's a way that everybody can win and I don't understand why everybody doesn't live in that world I, I will never understand that I'm with you 100% but if they want to be grumpy about it yeah. they could write a letter and not just like try to take this guy for all he's worth totally you know what I mean like 100%. why are you going there like that is so evil to me and honestly like he loses everything he was $250,000 in debt he'd taken a second mortgage on his house and we jumped to 20 years Years later, there's not like a magical resolution to this. No, because he he says like I went through some really bad years. He calls it the crash. Yes, of course. This like they took everything from him. So he decides to write about his story. He starts a blog. Twenty years later, and he's like he says like Scott McWinnie, the president, is a yeah. footnote in my story. And he right? says the only reason we're so I'm assuming the Pez Outlaw was a blog that got optioned and turned into this sure. documentary yeah. or whatever. He's saying the only reason anybody knows Scott McWinnie's name is because of me. Because it's a footnote in my story. He's not wrong. Yeah. So we see him at. 
these, like the, the Pez collecting scene or the toy collecting scene, he's a legend. He's an icon. People are like, can't wait to meet him and take photos with him. But he wouldn't go, like he was off the scene for 20 years. Yeah. We're seeing him 20 years later doing that stuff for the very first time in 20 years. Right. Like for 20 years, he just like lived and wallowed in his sadness. It makes me so, I was like, this documentary is so good, yeah. but it is not, a, it's not a happy story. No, but he does say, this is, I also love, because we open with Steve talking very honestly and openly about his mental health. And we end yeah. with it too, because he says, you know, collecting and the Pez thing, he goes, it was an act out of my mental illness and he's learning to cope with anxiety. But he says, sometimes some of the things you have are actually tools and they're not burdens. I can be who I am and be miserable or I can be who I am and try and find the good in it. And if you're lucky like me, you married your therapist. I can be who I am and I can be miserable or I can be who I am and find the good in it. And I just thought that was so inspiring. A hundred percent. Like we always talk about how people that we cover in these documentaries have no introspection. They have no oh. ability to reflect on themselves and mm. think about the how to be better, how to be happier. And it feels to me like that other than thinking about being balls deep in Kathy. Boink. <laughs> I'm never going to stop saying it. That's the only thing he thinks about is like how to be better, how to be yeah. a better partner, how to be a better parent. He's a good guy. You yeah. know, he just, it was, yeah, it was a little, I was like, oh, fun, the Pez Outlaw. And then I was like, oh, wow. And let this also be a lesson to everybody. If you hit it big and you're selling, you pay 27 cents for something that you're now selling for $300, take a million dollars and bury it in the woods. Just <laughs> take a million dollars yeah. and bury it in the you woods. I haven't given that advice lately. <laughs> I know. Because it's like he lost everything. He lost all I his know. money. It's so sad. I know. But now he's like, he's famous now. Now. I know. You know, and, and I think, and it's not just about fame, but I think he can go to those conventions and be part of that community that yes. he helped build and yes. love so much and be embraced by that. So I think that's a happy ending. We love you, Steve. We love you, Steve. Oh, fam, we did the Pez Outlaw. I remember what it was called this week. Yeah, it's pretty easy because we said the Pez Outlaw yeah, yeah. like 30 times. <laughs> <laughs> if you're hearing this the day this comes out, come and see us on Friday night at the Wilbur Boston. Friday, June 2nd, 7.30. We are kicking off our spring-summer tour. We're yes. covering the jinx. It is This It is, I got to tell you, the show is so good. I can't wait. It's I so, wait. so good. It's so funny. You're going to love it. It is absolutely outrageous. <laughs> we're coming to Charlotte on June 17th, but we're sold out there. And then on July 13th, we're coming to Denver. And then you can see the rest of the dates on the website, truecrimeobsessed.com. Oh, great. Also, fam, join us on the Patreon. Get more Jillian and me <laughs> for five bucks a month. You get 300, 400 full ad-free bonus apps. Yeah, something like that. You know what I mean? I do know. I know exactly what you, you know. What, you know what I mean? I know. You put it down and I'm picking it right back up. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, what are we doing next? The final days of Whitney Houston on oh, Discovery+. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, indeed. Oh my God! This is an oh shit moment, everybody. All right. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on. Oh my God! All right, so stay tuned for the trailer for that. Our funny and hilarious outtakes, and we love you. I'm really craving some Pez. I gotta get some on the way home. This is where we are now. It's food. I'm telling you, it's dinner. <laughs> Ask me what's for dinner. It's Pez. I'm just having a plate of Pez. Six like packets of Pez. There's only like ten in each. Mmm, delicious. Ooh. We love you, fam. We love you. Bye. Bye. She was America's sweetheart. The girl next door and our reigning pop princess, we called her Whitney, and she was known as The Voice. Whitney Houston's soaring fame and well-publicized demons were center stage for the entire world to see. Tonight, we explore how this amazing performer came to a heartbreaking end. Fans were always pulling for Whitney, and in early 2012, it looked like she was making a comeback. New man, new music, and a new movie. The film was a remake of Sparkle, 
and it marked a return to her roots, home to the church, back to the power and promise of gospel. So everyone thought that this Sparkle movie was going to be great and that it was going to be Whitney's comeback and finally, whew, right, she could exhale. And then came the Grammys. It's nice out here. It's I honest to God, John. Honestly. <laughs> anyway, so like... <laughs> This is, I know you're not a South Park person, and I'm not really either, but the Tom Cruise is in the closet thing. I don't know. And then they have, it's like their Scientology episode that they got sued for Jesus about. Oh my God. But they couldn't say that Tom Cruise was gay. So Uh they just said, like, they were like, what if we literally put Tom Cruise in a closet? (laughs) And then it's like, Dad, Tom Cruise won't come out of the closet. And then John Travolta comes in and he's like, Tom, you gotta get out of the closet. I'm a cat. You gotta get out of the closet, Tom. I'm a cat. And it's just the most. And then they have Nicole Kidman. It's like, Tom, it's Nicole. Please come out of the closet. <laughs> Gotta get out of the closet. I'm a cat. Oh it's, my god! That's I'm so sorry. Oh, everyone. that's great. It's great. Did the toys in the cereal boxes used to be awesome? Because like I just remember them being like shitty, like bouncy balls. But it doesn't. It's like the idea of collecting them. Uh-huh. That's the thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like even even Steve says like it's not the one cereal box. It's the stack of them. Exactly. Like that, yep. That's the whole vibe. And we yep. we see that we saw that with Beanie Mania. We're gonna see it here with the the Pez yeah. people as well. The Pez collectors. I don't mean to say that in a derogatory way. <laughs> right. um, but people like, experiencing their Pez collections. Their Pez collections. That's how you say thriving that. Yeah. in the Pez world, <laughs> which they all are. I have news for you. I am a person thriving in my homosexuality I love it. merch coming this <laughs> I love it thriving <laughs> 